This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Changing Lenses, a unique perspective on health and wellness. Our purpose is to share the nurse's story. Changing Lenses is based on the narrative of the personal journey of six nurses. It will take shape over a six-week period. These radio interviews allows you, the listener, to hear the human story of nurses, their successes, challenges and how they see the world around them. My name is Anna Aikman and this is Changing Lenses. Good afternoon, and this is The Nurse's Story, and today we welcome Kelly Wayana to Cole. Thank you, Kelly, for joining us. Kelly's fascination with Indigenous birthing practices and the ongoing public interest in her master's thesis in film on traditional Māori birthing practices encouraged her to extend this research with a doctorate at the University of Canterbury. Kelly is currently in her fourth year of study, specifically exploring kaitahu birthing traditions and practices pertaining to conception, pregnancy and birth. Kelly is an experienced registered nurse currently working for the Canterbury District Health Board in children and youth mental health. So kia ora Kelly. Kia ora Anna and kia ora koutou. <laughs> really lovely to have you in the studio with us today. So tell us a little bit about your journey. I'm very excited to hear uh, some of the work that you're doing in research and on so many levels you are impacting health in incredible ways. Thank you very much. That's really um, lovely. And, you know, I'm always in admiration of all the other nurses' stories out there because, you know, you think you, you do, you're just on your own journey and then when you hear others, you're like, Jesus, this is so amazing. So what you're doing in this show is beautiful because it is um, revealing what, what lies behind the nurses' uh, lenses and in our, in our lives, and I think that that's just really rich. So he mihi kia koe mo tō mahi i tēne wā. So... I didn't ever want to be a nurse, um, and uh, so I started off nursing my mother actually, and when I was a young child, and she was quite she was unwell at the time, and um, so I learnt uh, lots of things from her. I saw probably way too much when I was little about um, nursing that should have actually put me off, but obviously I'm still here, and so I looked after her and uh, dressed her wounds and. I uh, saw a, a mother unwell, but I saw a mother get well, and I saw a mother continue on with her nursing, because she was a nurse as well. And um, life went on, and then I ended up working in a rest home, as, as some of us do, as a part-time job, because my mum was working at the rest home in a very small uh, town called Fielding uh, in the North Island. And so I really cut my teeth in this in a rest home, working in a rest home as a 14-year-old, actually, and... Um, shouldn't have done it. I was a little bit young, but you know, no small town to get away with a few things. And um, so I did that, and then turned fifteen, and then was able to work officially. And so, um, so that's where I started, uh, and then went through school, did it as a part-time job. Realised that wow, money's lovely, and um, I can buy myself a bike and bike around and um, be a little bit richer than my friends, uh, which was unusual. And then, um, and I carried on, went to you, uh, carried on with my studies at school changed schools in the middle of it, which I needed to because I was going really nowhere. Um, I wasn't a bad kid. I just wasn't present in the classroom. I was very much um, 
in for the fun of things, finding humour in lots of things, not necessarily concentrating on my schoolwork. Uh, I think it was a, my reports always said she's a lovely girl, um, but she just needs to apply, apply herself a bit more. Actually, I'm getting that with my own kids' reports right now, so there is hope. Um, and so I um, shifted schools because my parents moved, and I went to an all-girls school. So I went from Fielding Agricultural t- High School to a Whanganui Girls College, and um, that's when I actually started realising that actually learning was okay and it was cool and I could do it. It always comes down to one teacher, doesn't it, that you find that suddenly believes in you more than you believe in yourself. And um, so I started applying myself and hanging out with, you know, um, these lovely nerds that were, you know, good mates now who actually put me on the right pathway. And when they left school, they were all going to university and and they said to me, you know, will you come too? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've only just really started my learning and I, I have no interest in university. I have no idea what I want to do. And then they went, well, you've been doing some nursing, so why don't you do nursing? And I was thinking, I don't want to do nursing. I've just been nursing for since I was 14. There's no way I want to do nursing. Well, it really came down to the fact of peer pressure that they were going off to do something and at a university, and um, and I felt that I should do something too. But, I, you know, so nursing became that option. And I think, I swear I got into my uh, Wellington Polytechnic because my dad, who's a, a you know fairly handsome bloke, and at the time he took me in for the interview and fluttered his eyes, and the, um, the woman who were interviewing did, had took no look at me. They didn't even look at me and um, went, yes, you're in. So um, I was chuffed to be in something. I didn't know what that meant, to be accepted into something. And so... I um, started at Wellington Polytechnic, my nursing career, and from there, uh, it's just taken me everywhere. I've still said in my second year, I'm out of here. As soon as I find what I want to do in my life, I'm not sticking with nursing. Well, I was a little bit so, so naive that when I got to a point in my nursing, I went, well, this is dumb. If I finish here, I've got nothing. And if I, if I, to carry on, once you finish, you become a new grad. And if you don't cement your learning with, you know, two years out post-registration, then it's all for nothing. And I'm a little bit like, don't waste that. So that's what kept me in it. But I was looking and looking for where else I should go. I flattered with people who did the arts and and uh, industrial design and, and all those sort of things. And I was still looking and I've looked for years but I've stayed with nursing it's always been the backbone to my creative uh, interests so to nursing I must mihi to to the whole kaupapa because it's allowed me to be uh, to to get to this point in my life and it's um, and it's allowed me to stay grounded it was a long answer to your <laughs> to your first question my goodness thank you Kelly um, I think it's always really interesting to see where we come from and what uh, uh, what are the things that influence us to go into nursing. So what were the things that took you into research? How did that happen? Uh, well, over time of my nursing career, coming in and out, so I didn't sort of sit in my nursing career for the whole time. I would work in, the, in a clinical setting or a community setting and then I would head out for a wee while. That was the way I could cope <laughs> and, and fulfil those creative interests. So uh, in one of the stints that I was coming back into my nursing, I um, was looking through a journal and it talked about this research, nurses doing research. And I was thinking, wow, that's an area I haven't I haven't thought about and, and I'm quite intrigued about. And at the same time, a friend of mine said, 
if you're interested in that, I'm leaving this this company called the Donald Beasley Institute. And if you want to get your foot in it, this you can come along and take over my role. As she was as, as a Tongan Māori, and she said they're always they need someone who can fulfil be a Māori researcher and and come in and assist them with some of their projects. And I had no idea what this company was, nor whether I could fulfil what they were asking for. But the the door was open, and I thought, well, here's an opportunity, and I want to know what nursing, what research is, and and so I went along, and there were, and I've been there ever since, um, and it turns out that the Donald Beasley Institute is a uh, institute looking at research for intellectual disability, but they very are very wide on that. They actually take in lots of projects with and they look at education and and with it but always with the focus on a learning disability um, or you know challenges uh, for our people who uh, have a disability so um, but the thing that kept me there was the wonderful people so I was able to uh, be uh, supported in a new role and develop that and I'm still learning it's certainly an interesting field to be in. Um, it's not the only field I stay in, but it's um, a, a, another sort of string to my bow or another aho to the kete. So that um, it just it's just been great, and I've worked on some amazing projects. Can you give us an example of some of the projects that you've actually worked on, Kelly? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've worked on uh, Māori who are blind, and uh, Mark Kapul is um, one of the terms for Māori blindness, and so it was looking at it's often around uh, barriers and facilitators for people with a disability um, that are minorities and what is those what are those facilitators and you know how can we advocate and and encourage that to happen and and what are those barriers and how can we remove those barriers and it's all about how do we advocate for everybody um, our minorities our and um, how do we make sure that they have equality and quality in their lives so uh, so there's that one, um, and I've worked on, um, I'm st- still working on one which is working with um, uh, judges and lawyers on making uh, guidelines for the court and for those people to be aware of con- of disabilities and how, um, with that awareness, they may be able to bring more of the evidence out of people going through our court systems in order to get best outcome. So it's, it's uh, a really, really awesome project to be working on to create a voice in the judicial systems for our, for our youth um, and our uh, not only our youth but our um, community of differently abled and then I'm also working on in your own words which is a project um, taking 12 stories uh, of people with a learning disability who um, about their sexuality, sexuality and intimate relationships. So it's stepping into some of that sort of area that people sort of um, don't like to go into, you know, and um, particularly in disability. Uh, but uh, everyone has a right to have their stories told. And the beautiful thing about this project is that I become the story writer. So I um, I interview our, the research participants and well, I'm, I've got one at the moment and then because it's only a small cohort, and then I um, work with them to tell their story, how they like it to be expressed. So that can be in the form of a, uh, a, 
a radio story or it can be in the form of an art piece or a dance piece or um, any way they want to express their story, we as story writers and creators try and make that happen. So it's a tough, it's a very interesting one because you've still got to keep them anonymous in that process but still let their story be told and that will go into a library of of stories that other people can access and um, yeah so that's but yeah there's been a few but I'm starting to go blank on the others but yeah those are the most 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 recent ones. Sometimes in nursing we often don't think of other things that we can do in a creative field so many of us get caught in um, what we probably would deem you know traditional uh, medical model uh, models of health so be able to take that foray into research and come backwards and forwards, as you said, and you said that the research um, fulfills your creative side. And um, when you uh, talk about your participants, how is it that you engage in a story that allows them to, I guess, speak their truth? Well, that's where I say to nurses, this is our forte. To, I think nurses make wonderful uh, researchers because we've had years of listening. And the biggest uh, skill, I would say, is a, for a researcher, and particularly, uh, yeah, for, I'm not going to say for particularly for Māori, but for, for myself, is having that skill of uh, you're able to walk in from the moment you pull up your car outside someone's place. And this is like adding, bringing in elements of public health and all sorts of things in there. You're, as a nurse, your senses are alive and, and receptive. So you already get a lot of information from the moment you turn up to someone's place. Then you walk up to the door. You still, your senses are going. You get a lot of information from that. The smell of the house, the feeling, the, the way, the layout of the house, the whoever greets you. And then the door opens and you get more information. And then you, you may not get to your interview, your person at that point, but you're getting a good amount of information from who's greeting you, who's in the house, the state of the house, the state of the person. And then you, you meet the person. And often if I'm meeting most of my participants, I... I, I um, uh, and sit down. I give them a hug, or I um, bring food, uh, and we don't start until we've got the rapport be- has begun. And often, I've had a few conversations on the phone, so it's it's warmed us up. So I've already keep receiving that information, and then once we start the interview, when they're ready, then we flow. And it's not about um, the interview; it's about them. And it's like this: it's a it's a conversation, and. So, and when I walk out that door, the difference when you're a Māori researcher, and I'm not saying that other researchers aren't like this, but I'm just saying that for me, I can only speak for me, that um, they're part of our whakapapa once, once we've met them. So I don't finish at the door. I often see them back in my community. I often um, continue on having interviews with them in various other roles. And so our, the, it's a continuum rather than a, thank you very much, here's your koha, and I'm out the door. I won't see you again. And, but once you get your little wee um, summary of our research, you know, then you know, that's it there. But often with the way I work, and Donald Beasley works like this very much as well, is it's very inclusive and and, and very um, embracing research. So uh, they become, uh, because you're asking them, like nursing, some intimate questions sometimes, and you're really reading them all the way through. So so um, how I work it and getting, into, getting to know them is just having good ears. And 
and being honest if I don't understand something or if I need to question something more, but also being really aware of what's going on around them, that this may not be a good time for me. Um, they may be too um, whakamā, too embarrassed to say it's not a good time, but I've got to use that nursing assessment to go, actually, this is not a good time, and I think I might get a bit more at another time that they're more relaxed because I can see what's going on here. Or, you know, other people need to be in this interview because they, they are part of this person. It's never just a one-person interview, and I often find that if I direct the mic at one, five others behind them might be talking, and that's really awesome. So you just have to sort that out ethically, um, how you work that. But um, So, yeah, it's just the skill is, is using every part of your body to read and assess someone, and we do that in nursing. Often in nursing we talk about the therapeutic milieu, and um, what you describe is probably exactly that. And how do we translate that into the work that we do within our nursing and can we do that? And how we then do that in the community when you uh, have all your senses going uh, to gather that story in the most honest and authentic way that will honour uh, the individual. I think I'd like to add, though, that the hard thing is sometimes we don't say all that. You know, sometimes we, what we capture in the SAP notes or in our progress notes is sometimes not what is, uh, what we feel because to write all those things down uh, can be unsafe, uh, can be uh, read wrong, you know. So there's sometimes a lot of thinking about some of the messages we're getting and as nurses we have to filter that and work out what is important right now but also what... um, how do we honour our clients in writing this and uh, how do we capture that story that still is professional but is also, um, is because what's sometimes tricky particularly is the wairua of your assessment and the wairua of the kōrero and so um, there isn't any uh, evidence sometimes about that. There's a feeling. Uh, sometimes there's a, um, a knowing an intuition, you know, and I'm not saying it's only Māori, but what I'm saying is sometimes it's very difficult to actually document that. And so some of the stuff goes unsaid uh, and is really comes down to nursing on a um, gut level and nursing on a level of wairua, of spirit. When we talk about um, spirit often, the spirit mind, body, um, holistic sphere is often sometimes absent from the work that we do. How do you bring that essence into your presence when you are working either in your work as a mental health nurse or as a researcher? Yeah, sure. Well, research is fairly clear because I uh, work as a Māori researcher, so often with Kaupapa Māori research methodology. So we offer and we invite um, karakia and um, blessings um, and to begin and to close, and often we begin with a uh, mihi mihi, which is getting to know each other. So I share a bit about me, they share about them. If they want to, it's really when I'm in someone else's whare, they dictate the, the tikanga, not me, And but I offer it if they, if they feel uncomfortable about it. I certainly don't want... Uh, you know, tikanga Māori to be um, placed in front of our whānau Māori as a um, barrier. Uh, You know, I'll be creating what I'm trying to break down. And so it's an offering if they prefer to lead it or to be with it. And so that's how I do it with um, a lot of my research. And within the hospital setting, um, 
sometimes it depends on my client. Sometimes they want to uh, to include karakia in their in their routine of their um, the program that they're in. Sometimes um, they're overwhelmed by the environment, so they don't feel that comfortable about it. I just it's a lot of reading of the person to see where where um, we can bring in that spirituality, that element in, and what are they feeding to me that they may need or not. And sometimes it's the quiet times when we're just alone working on our one-on-one that I'll say, you know, we might have a corridor about things and, and that's when I can bring in some of the other elements. And to be honest, sometimes it feels a bit secretive rather than being open because sometimes it's hard to explain some of the um, some of our talkings to other colleagues that... Um, you know, am I there to educate everybody or shall I just be working with my client on, my Māori client on on these things that are not scary, they're just about them and us and it's about whakapapa and it's about utilising our um, Māori models of health. And so so I, I, I really judge it on who, uh, way up whether I bring it in depending on the, the surrounds, the people. You know, we've had incidents where it's been totally appropriate and it's been asked for. Uh, and so, and the hospital's been great at pulling me in for that for our unit. And but we also have wonderful Puking Artify that um, do that job beautifully. And it's a pleasure to sit alongside them and be supported because you are very alone as Māori nurses in in these settings around the country because we um, there's you know there's so few of us. And then um, on top of that, there's so few of us who want to stand up and say certain things and advocate for taha Māori because it is isolating still. Uh, you mentioned about whakapapa and uh, lineage and um, how do you identify yourself and what is important for you? Mm. As a mama, to start with, uh, as a hākui, uh, um, that's the most important thing. Um, uh, the hardest thing uh, to to be a good mama. I don't know what that means, but to to be to find the balance between everything that we do, as well as nurturing our own and nurturing others. So, um, uh, so I, I de- identify myself as Waitaha Kati Mamoi Kaitahu Wahine. Uh, so, when I talk about Kopapa Māori research or Kopapa Māori things, it's from my lens as a Kaitahu Wahine. Uh, and as a mama, really, um, and a, certainly a student of life, I am. The more you learn, the more you realise you have no idea how things, what things do, and how they work. And and I think the more I try and cram into my brain, the rest of it just pops out the back, and I've lost all that back stuff, and I'm only working on the front stuff. So, um, so I, I identify myself as that, as really a student of life, and um, uh, and uh, a late learner, <laughs> uh, and. Um, a passionate person that um, loves to give things a go, um, loves being creative, uh, but also um, hopefully keeps it real and, um, yeah, 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 and just, and hopefully positive, really. I mean, you know, you, you get your challenges and stuff, but you just sort of take that big breath in, haki roto, haki waho, breathe it out and have a good sleep and start again. I'm very interested in the current research that you are doing with your PhD. <laughs> Let's explore that a wee bit. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, oh golly, I'm right in the middle of it too. Um, I have to hand in. So uh, I did a Master's of Science Communication at Otago University and they that's a two-year, I was doing it part-time, 
And they uh, come to a point where you have to actually put forward a, a topic of what you're going to study or what you're going to do in your film and your thesis, what is going to be. So the first year is about learning film, learning to to do, put it all together. And, and the reason why I came into this, um, into doing the Masters of Science Communication, because everyone thinks I'm doing nursing in my PhD or nursing in any of my postgraduate um, work. And uh, no way, I finally got a chance not to do anything um, around nursing, but readily enough, it's, it is about around health. And really, it does have um, a, an implication on how I work as a nurse, but also hopefully it has, uh, it will eventually have some uh, influence, hopefully, on maternity care in, in Aotearoa. But um, so I saw this poster one day at University of Otago and and I was thinking and it said, um, you know, have you got an interest in health? And I'm thinking, yep, that's me. And then it said, have you got an interest in, in broadcasting or, or create, creation of film and all that? And I'm like, yeah, I've got a background in broadcasting. So I kind of went, this degree is meant to be for me. And so I um, <clears throat> I went and approached them and said, you know, I'm, I'm you know, at that stage, I have. I think I had four children at that point, and I met with the director, and um, he said, "Yeah, you know, you know, mature student, be good to have you along, and you know, probably Māori, be good to have you in the course." And naively, I went in, and there was only about twenty-five of us, and they were a lot younger than me, and um, also um, no babies for most of them, and um, and they were from around the world. So I felt like I had just entered around the world zone in my own backyard and so it was an exciting course um, and I completed it doing a film called, um, well the film was called Iho, A Chord Between Two Worlds. Iho is the umbilical chord in Māori and I really loved that metaphor for the baby's cord being between the mama and the and the child, the nurturing, and also between those two worlds, the spirituality and and physical world, tūroa, and and so I and it also gave me an opportunity to finally ex- explore and research a topic I've had an interest in since I had my well since I watched witnessed my um, niece being born 19 years ago. So. I watched her being born and I went, this is interesting. I watched my cousin deliver her so beautifully at home. And I thought, hmm, this is, uh, there's something here, what she was doing with Waiata Māori and things like that. And then when I became hapu two years later, pregnant, um, two years later, I decided to follow that pathway of investing in and looking at traditional Māori birthing practices. And each birth... Um, and I wish I could have had more because I would have been able to use myself as a participant and found out a bit more about how this all works. I brought in um, components of traditional Māori birthing practices and and practised on myself and my children on the, 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 the practices that are uh, so enriching and beautiful and, and actually very accessible. And so um, so I, I sort of started that process. And so, But I never had enough time to explore it fully. So I thought one day I'll pick this back up when I'm not having babies and not trying to work and do studies. And then this, this opportunity came through the Masters of Science Communication. And, and at the end they said, well, what are you going to do your topic on? And I put so many ideas up. And actually the one that sort of really fell so strongly into my lap was let's ex- explore this because this actually means something to me and hopefully it means something to other people. So I um, did that film because that was part of it. You had to do a film and I wrote a thesis on it. And so, and I say that that Masters is my scoping project because really I had no idea. So I looked at, you know, what were traditional Māori birthing practices? What are they today still? What, why did they 
go away? And um, and what is is there a balance? Is there a need to bring them back? Is there is there something here? Should we should I be looking at this? And you know, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm not a midwife, um, and I always say that. But I am a, have a fascination in this area, and I have birthed. Um, in hospital and out of hospital on the land and and in the water and um, and so I just feel alongside my colleagues, my midwifery colleagues, and alongside Fano Māori, this is a really important um, project to take on. And so I certainly don't do it alone, and I certainly do it with the stories of many others. And so that's sort of led me on to doing my masters, finishing that, going well, okay, that's done came out for a couple of years, finished some PDRP for my nursing, tried to pay back the loans, and then basically went, actually, I'm not done. I need to take this a little bit further. I had people saying to me, why don't you do youth? Because I've been very much involved with youth and radio. And then they're saying to me, why don't you do um, disability? And so, and then I, but I went, but I've already started. I feel like I've already done my literature review or my scoping or my, on um, with my masters. I need to just pick something that I can follow through. And so then I decided to do, you know, Naitahu birthing traditions because Naitahu is um, is my iwi, and I felt that I, if if I can't really, it's too big to look at it again overall. But I need to look at it on a micro level and look at what what Naitahu have and have have. Um, in terms of traditional Māori birthing practices. Um, little did I know in my naive kind of focus, and when everyone was saying that's really big, is that, of course, Naitahu were also made up of kahungunu, uh, Ngāti Parau, um, Ngāti Ira, you know, so many other iwi because we migrated that um, it actually makes it quite a large field. But um, so my um, advice to myself is, don't do that again, but um, also um, go smaller with the with the field um, because it has been a historical project. So you go back in order to go forward. As you talk about your um, experience in film and with the mic, um, we might just go into your song. Yeah. Um, if I gave you the mic by Lady Six. <laughs> Understand if you know what I mean, then you know who I am. And if I gave you the mic, would you lend me your hand? Ain't fat beats down from New Zealand to Japan, I'm locking beats to the point. And Papa's understand if you know what I mean, then you know who I am. Remember back in the day when you were young, fighting the system. Spend your youth believing yourself to be another victim. Lost innocence and a worthy man, girl, you really picked it. Fell in love for the first time, 16 years old, now this is your daddy always told you to treat all these boys with caution Yet you took it in, began the sin that led you to abortion Forcing true emotions, he's to fool the ocean Better have a magic potion, he's devoted all to Now if I gave you the mic, would you lend me your hand? Lay fat beats now from New Zealand to Japan I'm locking beats at the point that poppers understand If you know what I mean, then you know who I am And if I gave you the mic, would you lend me your hand? Lay Japan, I like it beats to the point. If I understand, if you know what I mean, then you know who I am. Yo, could 
fly with this? Could I run, could I fly with the fist of the madness? Like a DJ fiend in the mix, like an Nancy verbalized tricks. Here we flip the switch from true bliss to nothing but the realness. These conscious times, so all your ears can hear the same. Subconsciously you feel this. See, I envision lyrics from the same planet. But just pray them like a ranet, without a king to claim it. Like Lauren Hill, I blame it on the sun that didn't shine. I sing through my third eye blind It seems it's hard to cry Within you feels like the same situation Same guy using your power of control to get by It's like a dive into the ocean of lost lies Be responsible, we are of our own days and not own demise And yes, it does affect the days of our children's lives And so I live to correct when I went blind And continue to remember how life's been kind Now if I gave you the mic Would you lend me your hand? From New Zealand to Japan, I'm locking beats to the point that poppers understand. If you know what I mean, then you know who I am. And if I gave you the mic, would you lend me your hand? Lay fat beats down from New Zealand to Japan, I'm locking beats to the point that poppers understand. If you know what I mean, then you know who I am. My boys look so good, but their minds are not pretty. So here we go. Mind is rock steady, so here we go. The boys look so good, but their minds are not ready, so here we go. Said I'd rather talk to a man, cause his mind is rock steady, so here we go. The boys look so good, the boys look so good, the boys look so good, but their minds are not ready, so here we go. story and today we're uh, having a conversation, a little korero with Kelly Takao. So Kelly, that was a song that you chose, um, If I Gave You the Mic by Lady Six. Um, how does that song resonate for you and why did you choose that song to share today? Uh, I chose that one because I love female singers <clears throat> and uh, you know I love like Erica Badu and um, Bardo and uh, Elisa Keys and and uh, just a lot of Māori, strong Māori women singers as well. And I just, um, I've always been drawn to Lady Six, watching her career develop and being a, a um, woman of Samoan heritage from um, Ototahi. That's the other reason why I like to be um, supportive um, uh, to uh, talented artists from here. Uh, but she's just got that beautiful voice. I'm, I'm a lover also of um, beautiful spoken voice as well, and she has just got that tone in her voice that I, I love. And the fact that she can sing good lyrics, and, and if I gave you the mic, it relates to me and, and being in many years in, um, when I was doing a lot of radio, and particularly um, in different studios, and that was just if I gave you the mic. 
which let me ears or let me a hand. I, I don't even know what the first line is, but I just love the fact that it, she's just got it and she just sells it so beautifully and, and is still there, still out there. Um, and I was listening the other night to some of your later stuff. So it's just um, so encouraging of some of the people. I don't think I actually interviewed um, Lady Six. I don't think I did. But um, some of those earlier artists, it's really lovely to see them as parents now and still in the industry. It's like, wow, you know, that's just amazing. So, um, yeah, our, our, the talent is out there. You spoke about the importance of being a mama and um, I look at all the hats that you wear currently and how do you find time to be a mama and how do you look after yourself to make sure you keep yourself well? I think I'll answer it the other way around. How do I find time for myself to become a good mama? (laughs) Um, I do a lot of uh, exercise. Um, Fitness of the body is fitness of the mind, and it is one way to sort out the chaos in my mind. So I do, um, I love yoga. Um, because I'm not great at meditation because I fall asleep, but there is a little bit of meditation at the end of yoga. But I like to feel pushed um, in my yoga classes or in my physical uh, exercise because it almost pulls out and just makes me um, forget because I'm so focusing on the fitness that I um, can drown out some of the stuff that's going on in my head about trying to put everything in compartments and sort out some order in there. Uh, so uh, so physical fitness and eating well is really, really essential for me. Um, I certainly binge and I certainly have um, uh, things that I know don't do my body well, but I also go, hey, I'm, I'm normal and it's living and it's life and I'm certainly, if food's made in love, then I'll, I'll enjoy it in that process. But um, also I... <laughs> I like to have things clean and tidy because that, again, helps my mind. And so I'm a little bit of a cleaner wherever I go, even at work. Quite like me coming on because I clean more than um, probably I should be doing some other things. But it's I feel, especially in, in um, mental health as well, that if their minds are like mine and possibly, hopefully, there's a little bit of difference there, but that um, having a, an arena that they're in that's not as chaotic, then that can be a little bit more... Um, managing for it helps them manage because it certainly helps me manage. Um, so, so yeah, just those things. Um, uh, also, I mean, the, the hardest thing is is never do a, any postgraduate study and think that you can actually be totally present with your kids because um, it's very difficult because you've got this guilt of what you should be doing all the time until it's gone, until you've handed in that degree or that that piece of work. So um, I don't feel sometimes that I'm totally that that greatest example of what it is to to do all of this and then um, be present with my kids because, um, you know, I'm guilty of thinking of all the things that I need to do in my thesis to get it in for the end result of being more present with my kids. Um, But um, so, yeah, and uh, sometimes I just go... When everything's too much, I just go, you just got to keep going. You know, like it's actually not about take things away. It's like, well, you just got to get through it. You just got to do it. And sort of like that, you just got to do it is that Kiwi attitude of you just got to do it. There is, you know, get on with it. Get on with it. You know, there's other people that are unwell doing this. There are other people who um, have many physical barriers. I I don't. I've just, I've asked for this. This is my responsibility. So um, manage it, you know, hand, you know, um, handle the jandle, calm the farm and get on with it, you know. So 
Um, so I just kind of um, cope with in those ways. And then um, I have incredibly supportive family around me that also allow me to do all this. So, um, And that remind me what's important because <clears throat> I may have lots of things on my plate, but at the end of the day, simple domestic stuff that happens needs to be addressed. And um, I can't write or... Uh, do my best job as a nurse if I need to sort out what's happening in the home. So uh, that just sort of seems to take priority. And and so um, when things happen, which it does when you've got five kids and a busy lifestyle, and is that things just happen and you have to sort them out. So um, yeah, that that sort of just get on with it sort of attitude and um, and making sure that um, sometimes you just get a sense my kids tell me when things are going wrong um, for me in an indirect way and they do that through a behaviour you know they may be just starting to play up and I'm going what's going on with them and I'm going what is happening with them and then I realise actually it's me because they're doing that behaviour because I'm not responding early enough or I'm not attentive because my mind's elsewhere so Sometimes I have to, both me and my partner are very good at reflecting and going, actually, it's not just about this child doing this. It's about us transferring our too much on them or it's a bit of us all not working as a family. So we um, need to try and work on that. You know, So we often go do the absolute opposite to what that child might be putting out, which is that kid needs to be hugged. We need to hug that kid a bit more, that kid, I should say, my child a bit more, because I think he's acting out and he just needs to be told he's loved. And we're too busy sometimes doing that, doing out what we need to do, that we forget the simple things in life because they don't need to always go out and get this and do that. They just want you to stay still and then just tell them that you love them and then, you know, and just, and sometimes that can just smooth everything out. Sometimes it requires a bit more work than that. So, yeah, sometimes it's just about pausing and stepping back. So take, go, go for it for a bit and then pause and come back if you're finding that that's no good. Hmm. I feel a real um, sense of inner strength and resilience um, coming through in your kōrero, uh, Kelly. Where do you think that heralds from? Um, not me. It comes from my tūpuna. Yeah, um, because uh, because of what we've gone through, I think, um, with, uh, with wahini Māori, I think because we've, um, we've gone through... We're survivors as, as women, as women katoa, as all women. Um, we're birthers, we're universal mothers. Um, so that strength of um, being uh, uh, leaders in our own right um, is what gets me through. Often when I'm feeling, str- when I'm struggling, I'm, I often think, you know, like there's been other women with, that have got through difficulty or are going through difficulty um, you know, there's that sort of strength from others, and but also um, channeling the strength from your own tupuna, and that doesn't necessarily mean they were tupuna wahine that um, were uh, leaders in in a, in a bigger scale and in their hapu or in their sub tribe, but they were leaders within their whānau, and they were um, they did what they needed to do in order to um, help that whānau. Like my grandmother, um, hard worker lost her husband when her, she had seven children and um, and her husband died when my father was 10. And so 
you know, that's that's amazing. Now, she's not didn't go into politics or go into uh, any field. She was home being a leader in her own in her own home. And so, and I have other wahine in my um, whakapapa that were leaders in their own right and puhi of their of their hapu and and um, amazing. But it's what I want to capture, and that's what, what I've dedicated this uh, thesis to, is to all the wahine in my whakapapa. Thank you, Kelly, for sharing that with us. So part of your uh, PhD and your research sounds um, really exciting, insightful, and holding very valuable knowledge. And uh, what are your thoughts around how you would like to use that in the future? How would you like to maybe influence how we do things currently within birthing practices and thereby our general health and well-being? Hmm. I think I had the end, the outcome, before I had the actual body of the work. <laughs> so I sort of knew right from the beginning how I wanted to, what I needed to do um, at the end. And then um, and then I worked backwards because the the end result is more exciting for me. Um, so some of those things were that came through my master's is there's no resources out there for for anybody who would like, who's interested in um, looking at this journey of going down and utilising traditional Māori birthing practices within their birthing plans. It's very hard. Um, some families have retained this knowledge, um, but we're losing all our repositories and our and our living members that are, are dying with this knowledge, and it's getting further down the track of generations. And so, and hospitalisation of birth is is dominant in a lot of our memories of our even our um, older community. And so. Uh, what came from that master's was the need to build more resources. Uh, and being a nurse and being a mature student, I haven't got time to make a, a thesis to write up a thesis that doesn't have any practical, um, um, that I couldn't apply it practically. So I already knew that I needed to build resources as soon as I finished this. And the film that I did for my master's is so, so. Um, was so watched and I was a little bit embarrassed about that because that was still my student film and I hadn't made it for it to go out as a resource but it really indicated or showed that there is very little out there and still is today. Some of the communities around, um, people potted around are doing some amazing, lovely stuff and lovely workshops and beautiful And but it comes down to being something very, very sort of individual and area by area and so I always knew that I needed to put out more pamphlets or or something that people can access. I don't know if people are reading pamphlets anymore, some app or something that is usable in all the maternity services that provides an option. People don't have to take it, but they need to know that it is an option. And and what does that look like? And what does that look like if you're in the community? And what does that look like if you go into hospital? You know, how can you take these these traditions, these rituals, and 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 actually make them work in hospital? So it's sort of looking at the end result of how do we do that, how do we implement it. And um, not only with physical stuff and with another film, um, I'd love to make another film, another documentary that again is a free resource that goes out that people like a library can use it at their maternity services, the antenatal cl- classes and look at it and um, and want, choose whether they want to incorporate some of this thing or go down their own journey of finding out what it means for them in the areas. Obviously it's going to be more Naitahu based so it would be more predominant in the uh, South Island, but um, if North Island want to uh, look at these resources and then develop their own, I'm right into being a researcher into building the um, capacity within other people's own iwi and hapu and whānau, and so um, they could use this as an example or a tawera, and they may already have their own that I'm I'm looking at going, this is fabulous. Um, 
I have always visually seen this as a dance um, because this is where I finally, this is when I get down in the dumps going, I'm never going to finish this. I'm loaded. I'm hip. This is, uh, you know, when you get feedback from your supervisors that you just go against you, you know, that knock at the very heart of you because you want everyone, of course, to, you know, say to you, it's fabulous, it's great. And when they say, mm, there's a lot of work to do, mm, you need to do this. And, uh, you know, it just throws you because um, if you're a bit of a perfectionist, it really does touch at the core of if whether you can do this or not. But anyway, so in those times, I have this beautiful vision of how I've always seen this being disseminated. And I feel that as a, um, for, a for an audience, uh, Māori and all members, sometimes seeing research in different ways. You know, it's like um, sometimes uh, a protest in a different way. You don't actually realise that's actually a protest or it's got some really political messages. If it's carried in a medium that suddenly just go- goes through you and goes over you in a way and you have an opinion about it. So I see this dance as a way of uh, disseminating this information, which would be, for me personally, far more effective than um, giving someone a big wad of all my thesis. How many people read those things? Where are they? And um, But to be able to invite people to something that's so beautifully, uh, beautiful, I hope, and I'm, I'm, that's not me saying that I'm going to make it beautiful. It's me saying I'm going to gather some beautiful people who are in my whanau and whanui and who have been saying to me, Cal, we're really keen to work on this because I've quietly said, I really want to create this dance to tell the story of traditional Māori birthing practices. And I, you know, so I see, I've seen it for a long time. I can see what's going to happen, but I can't, um, I can't get there until I've written the words. So I need to write the words of this thesis, get it in, and then uh, get some funding to do work out my timeline because of course I'm doing film and I'm doing the the resources and you need money for that but ultimately I'd love to put all that aside and go look I'm just got to get this out of out of the way too because I really want to see this happen and create this dance piece it just just needs to be one show I don't care how many shows they do I just want to see and film this dance piece that's a multimedia piece and really pulling on the elements of the uh, utilising the ihor and making it very aerial. The um, the other thing is is that eventually, um, because one of my chapters is a comparative review with First Nations and the Inuit and Mexican Indian people, and so our similarities are incredible. So this goes to the next step of where my mind goes, like yours, when we're thinking of things, it's like, oh, then we can do this. But so um, first things first things are, you know, as we come back to the land of reality is finish this thesis, then think about the dance piece, um, but possibly earn some money. That might be the real thing to do first, but um, and be with my kids. Um, yeah, so um, after a, a week away, being catatonic somewhere on a beach somewhere, being rolled over, reading all the fiction books I can get my hands on, I might start looking at the next steps. Thank you, Kelly, for uh, joining us today. What would be, maybe in a few words, a key message that you would like to share to uh, uh, listeners today and with other nurses who are listening to um, changing lenses. In terms of my study or in terms of nursing? or I think in terms of how we see the world and how we view the world. Mm. Um, what would I say? Um, kia kaha, uh, kia maia, kia manawa nui, be strong, um, be brave and um, have patience and I think that's really, really who we are as, as, a, as a cohort of people is incredibly patient. Um, but advocate 
advocate for ourselves, advocate for our families and our communities and for our clients. But it's a relationship. It's a relationship we have with with ourselves, our family and our and the people we look after. And there is it's gotta be an even balance. We we don't need to be martyrs anymore. We um take from our wonderful role models in the past um, of those people in our lives as well as those people in our professional capacity that we have come across and been so in awe and inspired by them, um, realise that um, that's you as well and that we are an amazing group of people and we have beautiful stories to tell. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for being... He wahine a tahua, oh, wahine toa. Thank you. So a beautiful woman sits opposite <laughs> me um, of incredible strength. And so we're going to lead in with the song, Kua Marama Kwe. If you would like to introduce that, Kelly. And thank you again. Thank you very much, Anna. He mehi nui ki a koe motomahi. This is um, a track called Uamarama Kwe, which it's a really short song, but the reason why I love it is because... Um, because it is short, but because it's just a, a male voice. And I wanted to balance up my two tracks with male-female uh, and in awe of our um, tāne out there, our males. Um, and it's sung, this one, this version is sung by Tuari Dawson, who's from Kaitahu and from um, Christchurch, Tuahiwi. And also it originally came from um, Soul Power, who wrote the song, and Jerry Bance is a good friend of mine. Now, those both these characters, Tuari and Jerry, know each other and have worked together with each other, and they are also involved with health. So I thought that this was a really nice way to finish off this program. And it's really about understanding yourself. It's about um, who are you, where are you from, and it's, again, that so, so poetic way of saying where are you from and where are you going? And it's about looking back to know who we are in order to take those steps forward into the future. Noreda, whakurungu mai. No ya to nira Fakate maru Nga kamora Kaputate oranga Mairano Kote rapunga Kote kimihanga ここは辛うかえけんやこたまあろとめよなふわとこきやきみのはとこきやきみのは Thank you for joining us. We look forward to your feedback. 
You can supply feedback on Anna at AnnaAikman.com. That's A-N-A-H at Anna, A-N-A-H, Aikman, A-I-K-M-A-N dot com. Changing Lenses, a unique perspective is available on podcast on plainsfm.org.nz. Type in Changing Lenses. Kakite anō. Until next time, go well, be well, and travel well. This is Anna Aikman, and you have been listening to Changing Lenses. <laughs>